morning. Our scripture reading today comes from Acts 10, 28 through 43. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Four days ago I was in my house praying at this hour, at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. You know the message God sent me to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God anointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the word of the Lord. Our theme for the year has been breathe, Holy Spirit moving through me, and and we're kind of doing a little subset of that, uh, focusing on the book of Acts, so we're calling it Breathe, Holy Spirit Acting Through Me. And and we started that last week, and what we're going to talk about this morning is the subtitle, Strengthening Me to Love All People. And we're talking all people. Easier said than done. It was a peasant woman in Italy who was walking along and crossed paths with a monk who lived in a monastery way up high on this hill. And she stopped him and said, Father, I've always wanted to ask one of you, what do you holy men of God do up there high up on that holy mountain? What is it like to live your holy lives up there? What do you do day in and day out? And he looked at her and smiled and said, ma'am, we do the same thing you do. We fall down we get up, we fall down, we get up, we fall down, we get up. And that's our lives too. There are ways that you and I can stumble worse than others. We're all sinners. But one of the main ones that should concern us these days is the issue of prejudice. Clearly, the Spirit wants to lift us up when we stumble, fall prey to prejudice toward anyone. By the way, who comes to mind for you? Who bubbles to the surface if I ask you about a type of person or a group of people? Who immediately comes to the surface for you? Oh, but you would never be prejudiced, would you? Well, perhaps we can relate a bit more with Peter than we realize. 
We're reminded about it when we look at his life. No doubt he fell hard, he stumbled hard when he denied Jesus three times. But then he came back roaring after Jesus restored him. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. But still at times, he stumbled along the way. And we see him at some points yielding to the Spirit in such a powerful way. And then in other ways, he stumbles quite badly. And we follow that along. You might want to follow uh, with the outline here in your uh, bulletin, or you can just follow it on the screen. But it's interesting to me because it reflects a lot of what we go through when we stumble at times and then yield at times, but then stumble again. And I think prejudice is one of the most critical issues that you and I need to talk about in days in which we live. So let's look at Peter's life in the book of Acts with this pattern of yielding and stumbling. First of all, Peter yields at the outset of the book of Acts. You remember, it's Pentecost. The Holy Spirit comes in a powerful way. And Peter steps up and and preaches the first sermon of the church. And what a privilege that must have been. But you remember what happened even prior to the sermon where the Spirit came in a powerful way and it was a band of, of local Jewish Christians who sudden, suddenly started speaking in every known language of every known type of person in the known world over there. And, and, and Luke is careful to list even all these people who are standing around saying, how can it they're speaking my language? What's the point of that? The gospel is for everybody. Do you remember all the people listed? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Romans, Cretans, and Arabs. And Peter, yielded to the Spirit, full of the Spirit, preaches this gospel and confirms that the gospel is for every one of them. Every one of them. In fact, look how he puts it. It's interesting. He finishes the sermon, and some of you know, it says, And the people who heard it were pierced to the heart, and they said, What should we do? Let's go to verses 38 and 39. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people stop there, but look at the next verse. The next sentence, this promise is to you, your children, and to those far away. All who have been called by the Lord are God. He proclaims publicly, it's for everybody. What a privilege that must have been to be the first one to say this gospel is for everyone and we need to perceive that it's for everyone. Because everyone is created in our image. Sometimes we might not think that they are, but they are. Sometimes we might want to cast an image upon them that might be at least somewhat unfair due to prejudice, but it's for everybody. So Peter is soaring at this point. A little time goes on and he stumbles. He stumbles. Peter stumbles. You go to Acts chapter 10. Cornelius is this God-fearing centurion and no doubt a Gentile. And he has this vision in which a servant of God tells him to send some messengers to the city of Joppa to look for a man named Peter. Now the Holy Spirit is at work here preparing for Cornelius to become a Christ follower. So this is wonderful. You pick up the story in Acts chapter 10 verses 9 through 15. Let's look at that. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon, and he was hungry. 
But while a meal was being prepared downstairs, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat them. Peter's response, No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, the voice of God. Do not call something unclean. If God has made it clean. Now keep in mind, this happens three times. This trance, this vision. And three times Peter says no. But three times God says, don't call something unclean that's been made clean. And Peter is confused. But what's going on is Peter is being corrected by God, rebuked by God because of his prejudice toward Gentiles. Isn't it interesting? Peter had proclaimed publicly that the gospel is for everyone. Do you remember that in chapter 2? It's for everyone, far off. It's for all people. And then this. Such is the way of prejudice. You know, I can even think right now, some of you might be thinking, I know somebody who really needs to hear this message because, man, are they prejudiced. You know, could we possibly be blind to a problem you and I might have with prejudice? We can be quick to point a finger at Peter or at other people whom we know or other people groups we know or types of people. Reminds me of the man who went to the doctor and he said, Doctor, I don't know what's wrong with me. When I touch my knee, the pain is intense. When I touch my rib, the pain is just overwhelming. When I touch the back of my neck, it's excruciating. Doctor went and took some x-rays and said, I know what the problem is. you got a broken finger. Silly story, but what am I saying? We might be pointing at all these other folk for their prejudices, for their biases, for their narrow-mindedness, the way they look at people. But you know what? It might well be that you're pointing with a broken finger, really magnifying your own brokenness because you're failing to see how you might be prejudiced yourself. It's easy to point fingers at people, as you know. It helps keep everything else at arm's length for us as far as our own brokenness and tendency Yes, to be biased toward others. Don't you think, now let's just be honest about it, don't you think there's plenty of prejudice flying around these days? And we need the Spirit to help us rise above it. Rise above it because, again, we've got to share the gospel as effectively as we possibly can. Does racial prejudice still abound in our society? I would think so. What about political prejudice. It is more intense than I've ever seen in my lifetime right now. What about prejudice against people of different religious faiths? Does that abound in society? I would say so. What about theological prejudice within the body of Christ among the church? Whether it have to be with disagreement over social issues or different doctrines, these matters that really perhaps don't need to divide us but causes so much conflict and dissension. And what about socioeconomic prejudice? People who are prejudiced against other people who are too rich or other people who are too poor. And we wind up casting these stereotypes on these people, which is sometimes, sometimes unfair. But maybe that person deserves it, but do all people who are in a similar situation as that person 
deserve it. Chip Ingram defines prejudice this way. Prejudice is a judgment or opinion formed before the facts are known. I would add before the persons are known as well. I remember years ago I was uh, visiting a church and I overheard a person in that church say something that I thought was kind of uh, politically charged and it was back when I was younger and even more reactionary and I thought, man, I'll never set foot in this church. In fact, I was getting ready to just leave. And then that person came over and started talking to me and I wound up finding some points of contact, points of interest that we both shared and I wound up just loving this person. And I wound up coming back again and again to that church and we became good friends. But again, what I learned out of that was I kind of had to get over my prejudice over that person's prejudice that I overheard. Are you with me on that? Sometimes we want to judge other people because of their prejudice, but sometimes we become prejudiced towards someone who has one, as if we don't have one ourselves. We've got to watch that. We're called to love people who are different from us, no matter how different they are from us. I love the way Jonathan Sachs points it out, great rabbi. Uh, he was the chief rabbi of the United Kingdom some time ago. He said the Hebrew Old Testament in one verse commands you shall love your neighbor as yourself, but in no fewer than 36 places commands us to love the stranger. Isn't that interesting? He goes on to say the supreme religious challenge is to see God's image in one who is not in our image. Think about that. 36 more times in the Old Testament, it talks about loving the stranger as opposed to the neighbor. Now, add to that the New Testament, particularly the teachings of Jesus and the way Jesus lived and reached out to all people and hung out with every manner of person. And it's quite clear to you and me, you and I are called to do the same. Love, yea, even our enemies and those who are most different from us. And Peter stumbles in this area, but then again... Then again, Peter yields. He sees the light. After meeting Cornelius, he says this, Acts 10, 28. Peter told them, you know, is it against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you? But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. And then he announces this publicly. You go on to verses 34 and 35. Then Peter replied, I see clearly, and he's saying that he's pronouncing this, he's preaching this. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. And the fact that the gospel is for everyone is validated by the Holy Spirit in that very same chapter. Put uh, verse 44 and following up there. Even as Peter was saying these things, The Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. Wait a minute. It happened to a bunch of Jews, Jewish Christians at Pentecost in Acts 2. Many scholars refer to this as the Gentile Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell upon them as well. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Now there's some validation there, just like at Pentecost. Holy Spirit comes upon them in a powerful way. They speak in tongues. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized? Now that they have received the Holy Spirit, just like we did. So he gave orders for them to receive the ultimate validation of their being Christians, being saved. He gave orders for them to be baptized in the name 
of Jesus Christ, just like we baptized Eliza earlier. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Validated in all those ways, especially by the fact that they simply confessed faith in Christ. And it's interesting if you go on to chapter 11, because Peter travels back to uh, Jerusalem and tells the Jewish Christians there what happened, and they criticize him, they harangue him. (laughs) And he says, wait a minute, just listen to what happened. And I'm really impressed with Peter at this point, because Peter, to me, struck me as as quite the hothead oftentimes in the Gospels. But very, um, almost professionally, very, very um, reverentially, he just retraces the narrative of what he, this is what I saw, this is what I witnessed. And at the end of it, it said that the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem were persuaded and they praised God because they came to the realization that the gospel is for the Gentiles as well. It's a high point. Peter's yielded to the Spirit. Unfortunately, that's not the end of the story. Can't sugarcoat this. Peter fails yet again, showing how challenging it is for him to overcome prejudice and peer pressure toward prejudice. And it reminds you and me that it's tough for us too. Peter stumbles again. And Paul recounts it himself, the Apostle Paul, in Galatians 2. This is some time after the good thing that happened with Cornelius. Let's look at Galatians 2, 11 through 14. This is Paul writing. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face. For what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, James, the brother of Jesus, in other words, when a bunch of Jewish Christians came along, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from those people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. Is is peer pressure ever a variable that contributes to our prejudice? I would say so. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy. And even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, quite a confrontation, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? Why are you building up this wall between Jew and Gentile Christians? So, he failed again. Isn't it amazing? Twice in public, we we saw this in Acts 2 and Acts 10, he preached, you know, God doesn't show favoritism. The gospel is for all people. But away from that more formalized setting, uh, you know, breaking down barriers and befriending people who are different, that sounds great to hear a preacher talk about that on a Sunday morning and we can all nod our heads inside saying, yeah, boy, that's right. And then Monday comes along. I want, want, again, for you to... What bubbles to the surface? What type of person? What group of people can really stick in your crawl? And, And I hope that Peter saw his hypocrisy again and then got straightened out. I would think so. I think we would have heard more from Paul about it. But what about you? I am at an age where I do not think that you and I can simply will away our prejudices that we have toward others. I think it's that powerful. I think it's that embedded. I think it's that ingrained. I think it's that reinforced in you and me. 
We need to yield to the Holy Spirit to help us with that. Not just grit your teeth and try. We've got to fall down to the Spirit and say, help me with this. So tragic when we let race or political views or religious views, theological views, socioeconomic views separate us as really even as just the body of Christ. In the early 1900s, I remember reading about this. There, there, were, there was a town where folks were, were desperately uh, poor. And there were some families that had more food. And there was one uh, family that lived in a mansion there. And, and they were known to help a certain African-American folks who lived close by who were just desperately trying to make ends meet. And one day, uh, a black gentleman went up to the door and knocked on the door. And the woman of the house answered. And he just asked if she had just any possible food that she could spare. And she poked her head out and looked around and said, come to the back door. And he did that and he waited patiently. And she wound up putting some bread in a bag and opened the door and started to hand it to him. And she said, you know, before I hand this to you, why don't we say the Lord's Prayer together? So she bowed her head and she said, our Father who art in heaven. And he said, your Father who art in heaven. She said, no, no, no. It's, it's our father. Let's, let's start over. Our father who art in heaven, he said, your father who art in heaven. She figured he must have some kind of speech uh, issue or something. She said, okay, let's try one more time. And it's our father, our father. Okay, ready? Our father, he said, your father. Again, at that point, she became a bit perturbed. And she said, why do you keep saying your father? Why do you keep saying your father? And humbly, he said, ma'am, if I said our father, that would mean that you and I were brother and sister. And if you and I truly were brother and sister, you wouldn't have told me to come around to the back door. How tragic when we let ourselves separate ourselves from those who are different. So the question, bottom line, really is, will you yield? You can't just will away even the subtle prejudices that you have in your heart. And I'm preaching every bit as much to myself as well. We need the Holy Spirit to help us battle our prejudices. Let's hear from another apostle, James, in chapter 2. What does he say? My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law as found in scriptures, love your neighbor as yourself, but if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law, the law of God. And let's just be honest. (laughs) Prejudice is a hard habit to break. Again, it's one thing to hear it in here on a Sunday morning. It's another thing to retain that and ask for the Spirit's help tomorrow when we head to different places. I really appreciate how Pastor Bob Russell used to always put it. He said, maturity is the ability to stay with a resolution long after the mood in which you made the resolution has left. (laughs) Let me say that one more time. Maturity is the ability to stay with a resolution long after the mood in which you made the resolution has left. I hope you and I can carry this out this afternoon and tomorrow and in the days to come. Are we going to be the kind of church, and I'm talking about Brooklyn and I'm talking about beyond Brookwood, that can welcome all people, that can love fully all people. If not, where will that lead us? Fred Craddock told the story about when he was an 18-year-old, young, idealistic pastor in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. 
And it was when TVA, Tennessee Valley Authority, got really big there and people started swarming in looking for jobs. And a lot of them were these hard hat type folk from low income areas. And they wound up settling up in the hills all around uh, Oak Ridge and they lived in what they could live in. Some lived in tents, some in lean-tos. If some were lucky, they got into a trailer. And they started to dot the hills all around the city of Oak Ridge. Well, in Oak Ridge, Fred Craddock was pastor of a church there. Beautiful, white-painted church, white picket fences all up in the front yard of it. And he's 18 years old, and he starts looking at all these people who are coming in, looking for work. And many of them eventually would, but he's looking at all these people who are from a lot of different places. You know, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers of Mesopotamia and Pontus and Pamphylia and Arabs and Cretans and so many others. And he says, we need to reach out to these people. And so he goes and it happens to be a Sunday evening and there's a board of elders meeting and he says, hey, I've got an idea. We've got to reach out to these people. There's our mission right there. And the chair of the board said, oh, no, I don't think so. Well, why not? Oh, no, no, no. They wouldn't fit. They wouldn't fit. Well, uh, Fred, young uh, pastor, uh, said, well, no, let's talk about this. And they talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. It was a long meeting, and they decided to table it and talk about it at the business meeting that was scheduled for the next Sunday night. The next Sunday night, (laughs) when it got to new business, the elder chair stood up and said, I move... That in order to be a member of this church, you have to own property in this county. All in favor. It was unanimous. And young Fred was reminded that he was just a young preacher who really didn't have a vote. And really, in a sense, probably didn't fit in very well there anyway. And it passed. He said it was a very painful, painful memory. A number of years later, he married his wife, Nettie. He called her Nettie. And, and uh, he was scheduled to preach. He was in Atlanta at the time at Emory University. But he was scheduled to preach up in East Tennessee around Chattanooga. And he said, Nettie, let's go try to find that beautiful church building where I used to pastor. You know, he had tough memories of it in some ways. But he thought, Let, let's go find that. So they had a difficult time finding it off of I-40. But they finally found it, came coming around to Bend. And there it was, still painted, just so pristine. You still had the had the uh, picket fence going around it. But as they got closer, they saw this big sign in front of it that in a way didn't really seem to fit, but it was a big sign. In fact, it was a, a lighted sign. kept blinking. You know what it said? Barbecue. All you can eat. It was a restaurant. And they pulled in. He said, I couldn't believe all the different kind of cars and pickups and motorcycles. It was just a mob of people there. You know, the line was going out the door and there were all kinds. We finally got in there. All kinds of people. Every kind of person you can think of was in there. Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia, Cappadocia, all those places. And he looked around. He looked to see if the pews were still there. The chandeliers were still up there. But where the pews were all pushed against the four walls. The old pump organ was pushed into a corner. And now you had aluminum tables and aluminum chairs and people sitting there eating barbecue pork and ribs and, and beef. And he 
he looked there for a minute and he looked at his wife and he said, Nettie, it's a good thing. It's a good thing this is a restaurant now. Otherwise, I don't see anybody in here who'd fit. Wouldn't fit in. Are we going to be the kind of church that welcomes and loves fully all people? Let's pray together. Forgive us, O oh God, because the easiest thing we can do at this very moment is to consider the biases of others, the narrowness of others, failing to see the myopia in our own eyes, the short-sightedness, the prejudice, yes. Forgive us of this sin. May we lean into your spirit, yield to your spirit that we might walk in newness, especially among those whom we fail to realize are every bit as created in your image. Now, I want us to enter into a brief discipline of meditation. And I want you to think about that type of person or that group of people who came to the surface in your mind And I want you to pray for them. Pray for them right now. Now I want you to say a personal prayer to God asking forgiveness for your prejudice toward that person, those people, and asking his spirit to guide you into deeper love for that person, those persons. Do that, please. Hear our prayers, O God, that we might love as your son Jesus loved us so much, looking beyond our own short-sightedness and prejudice and all our sin, loving us enough who corrupted his image, who dishonored him, who looked even at him in a narrow way forgave us and died on the cross for us. May we learn to love as he continues to love all. We pray these things in your name. Amen.